Back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 60 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I am your host, John Chick, and we all get to celebrate, you know, something of a milestone episode here with a big 3-2 Rangers win on the road at Nassau against the New York Islanders. Chris Kreider scoring the game-winning goal on the power play with just 24 seconds remaining. Just an outstanding win for the Rangers against their rivals. And the Islander killer strikes again for the Rangers because Alex Georgiev just absolutely stood on his head in this game. Was probably the biggest reason why the Rangers came away with the victory and the two points. He has just been outstanding against the Islanders early in his career. And that continued this past Monday. And it really continued in this game in Nassau. By the way, this was the first Ranger-Islander game being played at Nassau since March of 2015, and the Rangers really made it a trip worth remembering with this performance here tonight. But yeah, Georgiev was just phenomenal. 38 saves on 40 shots. And as good as those numbers sound, they really don't even do him justice unless you saw this game, because anybody who saw this game, you know what I'm talking about. And when you combine this with the game against the Islanders on Monday, Georgiev has now stopped 70 shots out of a possible 74. But in this one, I mean, it was pad saves, glove saves, uh, saves on deflections, saves after turnovers, bailing his teammates out. He really did it all. There's not much more you can ask for from your starting goalie than what Georgiev gave you in this game. And keep in mind, he did all of this, and I'm including Monday's performance as well, because he, he was outstanding, especially last night, but also in Monday's win against the Islanders. You know, two great performances back-to-back. And he's doing all this despite what's a fairly challenging situation because the Rangers, again, you know, they've got the three goalies. There's a lot of mouths to feed there. It's kind of hard to you know, get everybody on the ice and keep everybody sharp. And he's looking over his shoulder at Lundqvist and looking over his shoulder at Shesterkin. And he's a guy whose name comes up on a nearly constant basis in trade talks. And he said, you know what, that's all fine. I'll, I'll split time with two other goalies if I have to. If I have to constantly be asked or be reminded about my status as a potential trade chip, then that's fine too. I'm just going to step onto the ice and I'm going to get the job done here for my team against the Islanders. So nothing but good things to say about Alex Georgiev. Really, really impressed by what I've seen from him in these last two performances. And again, this is a guy who did not even appear in a game since January 4th, but before these two recent starts against the Islanders. So you throw him out there, he's ice cold, I mean, at least in terms of playing time. He hasn't been on the ice, so you figure he's kind of going to be cold for these games, and it's a very intense couple of matchups against probably the Rangers' biggest rival in hockey in the Islanders, and he comes out of it passing with flying colors. Again, just an outstanding couple of performances by Georgiev here. And we recently did a crossover episode with Gil Martin from Locked On Rangers, so big shout out to him. That was a lot of fun. But one of the things I forgot to mention during that crossover episode, if we go back to Monday's game, the Islanders scored a goal just 18 seconds into that game. So again, Georgiev bouncing back nicely from some early adversity. Again, he hadn't played in, you know, a week and a half, and he gives up an early goal and basically shuts them down the rest of the way. The Rangers went on to a 6-2 win in that game. But I thought the biggest most important sequence in that game, arguably, was what happened right after the Islanders made it one to nothing because they had another opportunity or two, like really good opportunities after that to take a 2-0 lead there, and Georgiev shut them down 
in that situation. So that was big. You know, the game strip could have flowed a, a completely different direction if the Islanders make it a 2-0 lead there. And then, of course, in this game, it was tight throughout. At no point did either team lead by more than two goals. And Georgiev came up with a lot of clutch saves in this one. We'll get into that in just a second. But I also want to mention, we got to talk about Chris Kreider here because he, of course, gets the game-winning goal with just 24 seconds remaining. The Rangers operating on the power play. And one of those plays where pretty much everybody on the Rangers who was on the ice had a hand in it. D'Angelo had the puck near the blue line, and he passed to Panarin, who was along the boards. Panarin sent a centering pass to Mika Zibanejad, and Zibanejad just teased one up from the slot there. And Varlamov made a really nice save to deny Zibanejad, but guess who's there on the doorstep? Yeah, who else? Chris Kreider. He stuffs it in right there, and the Rangers go up 3-2 with just 24 seconds remaining, and then they hold them off the rest of the way. And again, just, just a gutsy win for the Rangers. And one other thing, just for a little bit of a tangent here, keep in mind, you know, the Rangers, they are still six points out of the playoffs. Columbus has kind of been hot lately, and Columbus is tied with Philadelphia for the last playoffs. Actually, there's a three-way tie. So you've got, for the two wildcard spots, you've got the Hurricanes, Blue Jackets, and Flyers, all with 56 points. And the Rangers now, with that win, have 50 points. So still six points out of the playoffs. But what is important is the Rangers, and you never know what can happen. You know, the Islanders have 60 points, but we, we've seen teams, you know, jump up the standings and fall down the standings. You know, it can happen pretty rapidly in this league. And the Islanders, if that game gets into overtime, you know, at that point, it's a little bit of a coin toss, three on three, you know, it's wide open hockey, anybody can win it, it's anybody's game. But the Rangers, by winning this game late in regulation, not only do you take two points, and not only do you, you beat your division rival, and not only do you get closer in the playoff chase, that's all well and good, that's all great, those are all kind of the headlines, but kind of a subplot here is the Islanders don't get any points. So now you've got a team that has played the Rangers twice and have zero points to show for it. And that's big. You know, you never know what can happen. It would really be something if, if somehow this season the Rangers snuck into the playoffs and the Islanders didn't. Uh, still a long way to go. And, you know, that might sound a little bit far-fetched right now because the Islanders, like we said, still 10 points ahead of the Rangers even after these two results. But hey, you know, it, it's still important. The Islanders are one of the teams that the Rangers are chasing and they deny them even a single point here by scoring late in regulation. Kreider needs to be a New York Ranger going forward. And I, I know it's tricky. And I know that, you know, Chris Kreider, even himself, he might want to test the free agent waters at the end of this season. And for the Rangers, they might want to continue this rebuild. But one thing I'd like to ask is, exactly how many prospects do you need? Because we keep hearing about, you know, the Rangers, they've had two fire sales at the last two deadlines, and I was totally in favor of both of them because the team really wasn't going anywhere in either of those two seasons, and it made sense to kind of just start from scratch and build this thing from the foundation up. But now, you know, the Rangers are playing better this season. Chris Kreider's having himself a nice season. He's hot lately, and he's one of the few veteran players remaining on this team. And really, as far as the teams that, you know, made those deep playoff runs, you're down to Lundqvist, Stahl, Kreider, and Faust. Stahl and Henrik Lundqvist are both free agents after next season, and my gut tells me that probably neither one of them will be back. If they do come back, they'll be making significantly less money. But And then Faust, also a free agent at the end of this season, and so is Kreider. So I want to keep, you know, somebody around, because at some point, you have to kind of draw the line, and you got to dig in and say, these are the guys that are going to be here. And yes, the Rangers could flip Chris Kreider, and some team could rent Chris Kreider, and maybe the Rangers get, you know, a second-round draft pick in return for him. But again, how many prospects do you need if you're the Rangers? At what point does having somebody who's a veteran and somebody who is used to playing in New York and a guy who has won in New York, at what point does that player become more valuable than whatever a second-round draft pick might net you? 
And I think we're at the point where Chris Kreider is more valuable to the Rangers than a second-round draft pick. And the reason I say that is, you know, we talk about all the prospects and how the Rangers are young and everything. If you look at this team and you look up and down this lineup, the future is now. The future is now. They've got all these guys up from AHL Hartford this season who are all contributing and having, you know, not always great seasons, but at least good seasons. I don't think anybody has come up from the AHL this season and struggled mightily with the Rangers, other than Leas Anderson, but that's a whole other story, and we're not going to get into that today. But if you look up and down this lineup, you got Pavel Buchnevich. I know he drives Ranger fans crazy from time to time. He's a little bit indecisive with the puck, but... Overall, not having a terrible season. You know, he's, he's got some points. He's had his moments. So, and, and still a player who's developing. So, we'll see what happens with Pavel Buchnevich. But then you've got guys like Filipito. You know, and again, you know, he's a little bit inconsistent himself. But I think you've got to like what you've seen from Filipito if you're a Ranger fan. Again, he was really surprised when the Rangers had him start in AHL Hartford this year. But he's back on the, the Rangers. And I don't think he's ever going back to the AHL. I think at this point, he's kind of become a staple on this team. You got Capo Caco, and I realize Caco never played in the AHL, but he's still a big piece, a young piece in this rebuilding project. You draft him second overall. And again, you know, a little bit inconsistent, but I think that's to be expected from an 18-year-old rookie. So I like what I've seen from Caco so far overall. And then you look at the blue line, and you've got Tony D'Angelo. And I realize, you know, Tony D'Angelo, not a homegrown product, but he's a guy that the Rangers traded for, you know, that he was part of the Stepan and Ranta deal, and he comes in and... The Rangers, I think, saw him as a little bit of a, a pet project, and he's really taken off this season. Obviously, he had a big goal in this game. And then you've got Adam Fox, and this guy has been everything you could want and then some for the New York Rangers this season. He was drafted by the Calgary Flames, traded to the Carolina Hurricanes, and then he came to the Rangers in exchange for a second-round draft pick, and that looks like a trade well worth making for the Rangers. He has been great at both ends of the ice, and as far as you know, potential and upside among the Ranger defensemen, Show me a Ranger defenseman whose arrow is pointing up any more than Adam Fox. He's really been great this season, and I really think the sky is the limit. He could become a superstar in this league. The point of me bringing up all these guys is how many more prospects do you really need? Because you look up and down the lineup on the Rangers squad right now, a lot of these guys who were yesterday's prospects are today's consistent players for the Rangers and guys who have a lot of potential to get better. And so I just don't know what the point would be. And I haven't even gotten into the AHL guys, by the way, and some of the other guys in the Rangers minor league system. I mean, you've got guys like, you know, I know a lot of Ranger fans really want to see Vitali Kraftsoff, and so do I. I mean, you can count me among them, you know, exciting young player. And I've heard a lot of chatter like, well, once the Rangers trade Kreider, they've got room for Kraftsoff and they can bring him up. Who says you need to trade Chris Kreider to make room for Vitali Kraftsoff? I mean, they could end up playing on the same line at some point. That'd be okay. That'd be interesting, actually. I'd like to see that combination. But trust me, there's a way to make room for both Kraftsoff and Kreider on the New York Rangers. And then you've got other young prospects, other young defensemen like Keandre Miller. He, of course, played in the World Juniors. Niles Lundqvist, same thing. And Joey Keane, who is playing on the Wolfpack right now, was an all-star, an AHL all-star for the Hartford Wolfpack this season. So there's a lot of defense coming down the pipeline. I mean, I realize Kreider's a forward, but the point is there's so many prospects who are already kind of starting to spread their wings on the Rangers, and there's so many more coming down the pipe that I just don't see the need to ship away Chris Kreider in exchange for, you know, maybe a second-round draft pick and, and just kind of cross your fingers and hope that this guy pans out in a couple of years. There's no reason to do that. I think at this point, Chris Kreider... 
you know, really needs to be on this team going forward is kind of an elder statesman and a leader. And that's the other thing. Say the Rangers, and it might be hard to do this because Chris Kreider might be looking to test the waters of free agency. It makes sense for a lot of these players to want to get to free agency because if you do, then you get to negotiate with 31 teams instead of just one team. But if the Rangers make Kreider a deal, say, you know, before the trade deadline and he signs it, then he might be the front runner to be the Rangers captain next year. And, you know, we did an episode a while back. I had my friend Kevin LaBella on here from the NHL Network, and we were just kind of kicking around some ideas of who could be the next Rangers captain. You know, he threw out Mika Zibanejad, who I think if Kreider's gone, I, I would think Zibanejad is probably the front runner for that position if the Rangers do indeed name a captain next season. So he'd be a great pick. That was a great idea. I believe um, I threw out Jesper Foss as kind of a dark horse, but again, he's a free agent to be as well. So that would all be contingent on him even being back here. And I don't know if the Rangers really see him in that role. You know, Foss is like a grinded out type player. I think he'd make a great captain, but I just... For whatever reason, my gut tells me uh, I don't think that the Rangers are seriously considering Esper Foss as a captain, but we'll see. You know, I, I had him, again, as kind of a dark horse candidate. And then Artemi Panarin could also be an option, but it'll just be his second season with the Rangers next year, and I, I don't know if they're going to throw that on him that fast. I mean, I think he could handle it because the dude's as cool as the other side of the pillow, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think they're going to give him the C just yet. So I, I think if Kreider's gone, it would be Zibanejad. But I think Kreider, if he's going to be around, would be the best choice. I think Kreider just has a little bit more of, you know, that fiery personality that you kind of want from your captain than Zibanejad does. And again, this is nothing against Mika Zibanejad, but to me, I've just always seen him as more kind of like a lead-by-example type player, and he's been phenomenal this season. You guys know I'm a big, big Mika Zibanejad fan. He really should have been an all-star this season. He missed some time with an injury, comes back. He doesn't miss a beat ever since he's been back in the lineup. He plays his tail off. He's a magician with the puck. He's even an awesome penalty killer. Mika Zibanejad rules, and he'd be a great choice for captain, but I just got to rank Kreider just a little bit ahead of him because I think Kreider kind of brings some of that raw emotion that you like to see. It's all over his face when he plays. You know, you can just see it, and you can see that he gives this team a boost. I get the feeling, kind of being an outsider looking in, that Kreider has kind of become the de facto leader of this team, and, and Zibanejad has a part in that too, and even guys like Jesper Foss have been there, and Stahl and Lundqvist and all these guys, but I just feel like... The guy that this team, and again, this is as an outsider looking in, we don't know everything that goes on behind closed doors there, but I just get the feeling that this team takes its cues from Chris Kreider. And you, you watch that game winner, and again, you know, Kreider had the game winner last night, so maybe I'm having a little bit of a knee-jerk reaction here that, oh, we got to keep him, we got to make him the captain, this and that, but, you know, at some point, that's another thing too, like, so all these Ranger veterans of the past few years have been sent out near the trade deadline. Do you really want to send the message to this team, to some of the younger players on this team that, you know, we'll use you for as long as we can, but as soon as you start getting around like 27, 28 years old, you're going to be out of here for some younger prospects. And I realize that might not be how the Rangers are conducting business a few years down the road, because by then, hopefully they're bonafide cup contenders and they're looking to add at the trade deadline rather than subtract and build from the future. But still, I mean, this guy... He's kind of like a big brother kind of figure to the entire Ranger team, it looks like to me. But I just don't know that that's the message you want to be sending to some of the younger players on this team, that as soon as you become like a veteran and you've kind of like established yourself in the league a little bit, we're going to just throw you out and send you somewhere else and just bring in, you know, a draft pick and a draft pick that may or may not turn out. You never know how these draft picks are going to shake out. What we do know is that Chris Kreider is a darn good Ranger, has been for a long time, and could be, and I think is captain's material, and a guy who would be one of the front runners to become the next New York Ranger captain if he's here next season. And at some point, you know, again, you gotta, 
You've got to say, okay, we're moving forward with this group. It is okay to have a couple veterans on the team. Chris Kreider is not some 36-year-old veteran whose game is about to fall off a cliff and we got to trade him now while we can still get something for him before his game just totally declines. Chris Kreider is 28 years old, and it might seem like he should be older than that just because he's been with the Rangers for so long. But yeah, I mean, he's he's still a relatively young player. He'll be 29 going into next season. He'll be going into either his ninth or 10th season with the Rangers. And I think it's just a great time to slap the C on him and just let him lead this young team into the future. And again, you know, you got to have a couple veterans. You can't have an entire team made up of... And I love the rebuild. I love almost all the things that the Rangers have done. But you have to at least have a couple of veterans in that room, guys who can kind of guide the way and show people what it's like to play in New York and win in New York. And I think there's nobody better to do that right now than Chris Kreider. Okay, so just to give you guys some of the cliff notes of this game a little bit, we'll kind of take you through it. We'll kind of all uh, relive this awesome victory together. First period, I thought the Islanders clearly had the better of play. The Rangers had a couple of opportunities to score, but they were kind of those like out-of-nowhere kind of scoring chances that you get every now and then. As far as like a sustained push and time on the attack, I thought the Islanders really had the edge there, and Georgiev was on top of his game right from the opening faceoff. There was a play early where Sezikis knocked the puck down at the blue line to prevent a clear. The Islanders got some chances in deep. They're kind of just hammering away on the doorstep, and Georgiev comes up with a point-blank save or two. The Islander killer. I mean, that's I'm going to trademark that nickname right now for Alex Georgiev. He is the Islander killer. He is always on top of his game when the Rangers play the Islanders. And if you look ahead at the schedule, up next for the Rangers is the Blue Jackets, and then they once again play the Islanders at the Garden after that. And if I'm the Rangers, and again, it's really hard to sort of manage this three-headed monster that is sort of developed here, but I got to go back to Shesterkin for the next game. I know I'm a broken record there, but I don't think you're doing him any favors by having him sit for as long as he has. Obviously, it's worked out. Georgiev has been fantastic in these last two games, but I got to get Shesterkin back out there and might as well do that against the Blue Jackets and then have Georgiev play again against the Islanders because that seems to be his specialty is just stoning the Islanders. So yeah, I think that's probably the most logical way to do things. And then maybe after those two games, you get Lundqvist back up there again. It, it's a really difficult situation to manage. I think the Rangers are doing about as well as they can with it, and we'll just see what happens as far as a trade being made or, or anything like that. We also have to talk about the Rangers' special teams units because they were on point in this game, and probably the biggest reason, well, not the biggest reason, Georgiev was the biggest reason, but let's say the second biggest reason why the Rangers won this game because the Rangers go 2-for-5 on the power play, and the Islanders go 0-for-5 on their power play. I mean, it's Rangers-Islanders, so you kind of expect there to maybe be a few more penalties. You know, guys are chippy, but five penalties is probably too many to take in a game. Well, it is too many to take in a game. And there were a couple of undisciplined penalties by the Rangers late in this game, both by D'Angelo and by Chris Kreider. But both guys kind of redeemed themselves by scoring goals shortly thereafter. But the Rangers, they kind of set the tone early in this one because they had a really nice penalty kill early in this first period. And the best scoring opportunity on this power play belonged to the Rangers. Jesper Foss and Brendan Smith went in on a two-on-one, and Foss tried to make a pass to his left to Smith, but they got a solid back check, did the Islanders, and they broke up that opportunity. But yeah, Georgiev really on top of his game early in this one. There was a play where Eberly got the pass in deep, and there was no Ranger really all that close to him, despite the fact that he was basically on the doorstep a little bit off to the side, and he delayed with the puck because he knew he had all day, and Georgiev was just standing there, just kind of scoring him up, and then... Uh, Sizi, or excuse me, Eberly lets it fly, and Georgiev just snatches it with his glove. Stayed with him all the way, never panicked. Great save there, keeps the game scoreless. So we're getting toward the end of the first period, and again, you know, the Islanders have had the better of play overall in this game, I would have to think. I mean, they were out shooting the Rangers 
about 20 to 5 at this point. And you're starting to think if you're a Ranger fan, you know, let's just get into the dressing room. Let's kind of get saved by the bell here and kind of regroup for the second period. Got a chance to still be scoreless, but instead... We get another miscue by the Rangers. Jacob Truba had a rough first period. He almost turned the puck over early in the game. He brought the puck from behind the net in front of the Ranger net and kind of got tangled up with Shea there, and the Islanders got a, an opportunity out of it, but Georgiev bailed them out. But in this case, the puck is dumped behind the net, and Truba is clearly going to be the first of the puck, and he just misses it. And in his very slight defense, the puck seemed to take a little bit of a weird bounce off the boards. But for him to just whiff on the puck here, I mean, you can't do it. And the Islanders just basically throw it in front of the net. And Josh Bailey scores from the slot. And it's one nothing Islanders heading into the first intermission. Rangers looking a lot better in the second period. They get a power play and they work the puck along the perimeter. Kako tees up a slap shot, but Varlamov fully extends his glove upward, makes a great save. Credit to Kako, though. You know, at least he let it rip. We've been talking about how the Rangers need to shoot more, which I think overall they have recently. And Kako, maybe more than anybody, just needs to shoot the puck more. And he did it here. He had the opportunity, just a, a better save by Varlamov. But the Rangers get the first six shots of the second period. And I thought in this second period especially, but really throughout the game, I thought the Kako, Howden, Hedl line uh, looked pretty good together. Just being creative with the puck and getting close to setting each other up for a couple of goals in this game. I know they didn't end up on the score sheet at all, but I think that line, you know, continues to impress. Something has kind of clicked there. The three young guys playing very well together, and uh, look for that line to take off. I'm going to make a prediction right now that those guys combine for, I'll say, two goals. I don't want to just say one because that's too easy. Let's say the Kako howden Hedo line, provided that they're all still together on Sunday against the Blue Jackets, they will combine for two goals. And something else that I'd just like to point out is that the Rangers seem to have finally kind of settled on line combinations. There was a lot of mixing and matching earlier in the season, and that's fine because, you know, it was early in the season, and you want to juggle these guys around a little bit and see who plays well with who and just get everybody used to playing with everybody. And now, however, you've got these lines kind of seem, I don't want to say set in stone, but it seems like Quinn really likes these lines, and a lot of these lines are producing and creating scoring opportunities. And just to run through it real quick, I mean, you guys watch the games, but I'll just give you the quick rundown here. Kreider, Zibanejad, and Buchnevich on the top line, and then you've got Panarin, Stroman, Faust, and then Howden, Hedl, and Kako, and then Haley, McKaig, and Smith, and then even the defense pairings have been very consistent as well. Shea and Truba, and then Stalin, D'Angelo, and then Lindgren, and Fox. And it's probably a good thing because it is a little bit later in the season now, so by now you have to have a good idea of who works best with who and what lines you're going to deploy to give you the best chance to get two points every night. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And in the Rangers' last 10 games, they have scored, I'm going to do this from most recent to least recent, their last 10 games, the amount of goals that the Rangers have scored in all of their last 10 games, starting with last night's game against the Islanders. Obviously, they scored three goals in that. They scored six goals on Monday. Then it was two against the Blues, six against the Devils, five against the Avalanche, one against the Canucks, three against the Flames, five against the Oilers, five against the Maple Leafs, five against the Hurricanes. So these lines are clicking, and there's no reason to juggle them if they're going to continue to perform like this. You really got to like what you're seeing, and it's good that they've kind of, you know, finally settled on these line combinations, at least for now. You know, there might be a time later in the season where something necessitates a change, but right now, the Rangers are scoring goals. These guys are all clicking together. Let it be. Keep rolling out the same lines. And then the Rangers score on kind of a bizarre play. They're, they're hammering away in the crease at it, and the puck barely goes over the line, and Mika Zibanejad going to be credited with the goal. Pulak came within less than an inch of preventing the goal because basically he was just swatting at it with his glove hand and just trying to keep the puck from crossing the line. The play continued. The referees initially ruled no goal. 
but then they were instructed to blow the whistle and halt the play and review it. And you could see on the replay, the puck clearly crossed the line, not by much, but it was over the line. You could see some white between the goal line and the puck. And so Mika Zibanejad credited with the goal and one-to-one just like that. And then Georgiev, again, Islanders operating on the power play a little bit later in the second. Georgiev, another outstanding save near the end of this man advantage. Georgiev's moving hard to his right, and he's got to stick out his left pad in the other direction and just makes an outstanding pad stop there and... Then the Rangers take another penalty. Ryan Lingren goes off for a cross-check. So the Islanders get about four straight minutes of power play action here, and the Rangers kill it all off. Like we said, great night for the Rangers' penalty kill. Again, five penalties is more than you want to take in a game. We'll give them a little bit of a pass because it's the Islanders, and you know it's going to be kind of an ugly game. And, you know, the Islanders themselves took five penalties. But, yeah, I mean, the penalty kill had to step up big here tonight, and they did just that, killing off all five Islander power plays, including these two, which happened back-to-back. And then we go to the third period, still tied one-to-one, and we got to talk about this. This was just a wild sequence here. So Tony D'Angelo has the puck, and he gets it knocked out of his hands, and it bordered on maybe a slash from Eberle, but nothing called. And then, you know, D'Angelo's mad. He's a fiery player. We all know this. He goes behind the Ranger net and kind of just launches himself into Anders Lee. So an undisciplined penalty by Tony D'Angelo there. You got to control your emotions a little bit better than that, but D'Angelo, you know, this is who he is. You know, he's he's a fiery player, and you're going to get more good than bad with that type of intensity that he plays with. And the Islanders go on the power play. So we get another wild scramble in front of the Ranger net. We get another big-time Georgiev save. It looks like the Rangers are going to clear the puck, and Taze somehow knocks it down and keeps it in. Eberly hits the post. We get another scramble. The Rangers clear it. D'Angelo comes out of the box at that very minute. His, power, his penalty expires, and the puck... Is just laying there right in front of him, and he just picks it up, moves right in. The Rangers have a two-on-one, and D'Angelo opts to shoot, and he beats Varlamov, and he scores, and it's 2-1 to one Rangers with 15.44 left to play. And how's this for a stat? The Rangers scored on consecutive shots 12 and a half minutes apart. This really was a back-and-forth game where each team enjoyed kind of lengthy stretches where they had the advantage. It all added up to, obviously, a very competitive game, but... Yeah, I mean, D'Angelo, talk about living a charmed life because he takes the undisciplined penalty, but then he gets out of the box and immediately makes up for it. The puck is laying there right in front of him, and he just goes in and beats Varlamov straight up, and Rangers take the 2-1 to one lead. So the Rangers are up 2-1, to one, and we get matching minors because Sezikas trips up Panarin, but they also get Panarin for embellishing. And then 10 seconds later, Anthony Beauvier dumps the puck in deep. He somehow gets around Brady Shea and gets the puck before Shea can and stuffs it home. 2-2 two to two at that point, and then, of course, that all kind of set everything up for Chris Kreider's heroics. He took an undisciplined penalty of his own because he was moving in hard on the left wing and basically just went barreling into Simeon Varlamov. I mean, he's driving hard to the net, but kind of just went in there with a little bit too much aggression, takes out the goalie, an easy goalie interference penalty, and so the Islanders end up, because the 4-on-4 four four was still going at this point, the Islanders end up with a four-on-three power play for 38 seconds, but they the Rangers kill off everything. They kill off the four-on-three. They kill off the five-and-four that happens after that, and you know it all set up the stage for Chris Kreider's heroics in the last minute of the game. Again, Chris Kreider scores with just 24 seconds left. Make that guy a Ranger for life, or not for life, but let, let's get this man a four- or five-year contract at least. Figure out a way to get it done. Chris Cryer needs to be around, and he needs to be in the conversation for Rangers captain this year. I've said my piece on that, so that's pretty much going to do it. We have another Ranger game on Sunday against the Columbus Blue Jackets. The Rangers will be at home in the Garden for that one as well. 
And it's another big game. You know, every game is big when you're chasing a playoff spot. And the Blue Jackets, one of the teams that the Rangers are chasing, because if the season ended right now, the Blue Jackets would be the last team into the playoffs. They have 56 points. The Rangers have 50. This could be two points in either direction. So again, you know, it's a huge game for the Rangers. We are into the second half of the season, and the Rangers kind of biting and nipping at the heels of these playoff teams, or, or at least teams that are in the playoff picture right now. And so, yeah, another big two points on the line this Sunday. Looking forward to it. We'll see who the Rangers want to put between the pipes. You could really make a case for any of the three guys. Again, I do think it'll be Shesterkin. you got to get him back onto the ice at some point, and then you can go back to Georgiev for the final, not the final, but the third matchup against the Islanders. And again, he has really had their number. He has just owned him, as was the case in this game last night. So, yeah, that'll pretty much do it for today. Thanks again for tuning in, guys. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter, at LONYRangers. Again, that is at LONYRangers. Thanks again, guys. I will see you next time and have an awesome weekend.